Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, Join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Now it's time for very serious football talk with the man who met his wife on a blind date, chaperoned by his parents. They actually came along on the first date with us. There was a... No! I rode in the back seat. I was 22. The man who needs to take a minute to remember the names of all of his children. Do all of your kids have the same first letter? <laughs> no, actually. Um, let me think. Do any of them? Tucker, Mason, Cole, Isabel, and Lucas. The man who can defend you in court, but will probably choose not to. I'll cop to this on a public setting right now. I am an aggressive cuddler in a consensual oh. sense. Comma, Good grief, he's a pastor too? When does this guy sleep? You will you will find that the guys are everywhere except for in his or your bed because not only does he not sleep, he's also a faithful husband. So that's that's important. It's Seth Kaiser of The Athletic on Almost Entirely Sports. I feel like maybe for for the first time in that intro's history, we are in extreme danger of the first line being true for once because we're in a serious time Seth we've had a lot of fun this season because we get to talk about Patrick Mahomes the Chiefs offense throwing the football around winning games one seed and then Thursday night Philip Rivers came to Kansas City took off his pants and just pooped on the logo at midfield <laughs> that is as every serious conversation begins <laughs> with a with a giant dookie on the field. <laughs> you know, you know. Here's there's one caveat to everything that we're about to talk about today because you're right; it's not super fun stuff. Here's the reality of the situation: the Kansas City Chiefs are the number one seed in the AFC as of right now. They will be the number one seed if they win two games no matter what anyone else does. Right. And if any of these other teams slip up even a little, like, you know, if the Chargers lose on Saturday, the Seattle game is suddenly like, ah, you can win it or you can lose it, whatever. Yep. Um, and they're 11-3. and three. And so, I, you know, the Chiefs really hyped it up as a big game. Eric Berry returned. It was super winnable. Um, they looked like they had it in the bag there. Um, I... I I think that that game goes very differently. And, you know, blaming the refs is a loser's game. Yep. And it always will be. Because yep. the Chiefs shot themselves in the foot plenty. Yep. But I do think, you know, little things, you know, had, had that phantom hold on Daniel Sorensen not occurred mm-hmm. when the Chiefs were about to stop them yet again and the Chargers don't pull within a touchdown. That just changes. 14-3 to is a very different game than 14-7. to Yep, absolutely. I, it, it changes everything. I'm not that worried. I was, like, after the game, I was kind of like, ugh. And yeah, I, I have to admit, and I feel like I'm letting people down here, I've only rewatched this game, like, twice. <laughs> and I I know, I feel like a How failure. How dare you? Yeah, actually, what a I'm quitter. not doing my normal weekly film review this week, because instead, that. and this is a quick announcement thing, um, The Athletic's doing a, 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 a question and answer session tomorrow, and then I'm going to be the... The question, the answerer, the answerer, the answer, yeah, and 
Yep, and so that's that's going to be for about an hour, hour and a half tomorrow. What time is um, that I believe tomorrow? Over the new, yeah, I believe over the noon hour. Okay, central time? And, and, yes, Great. I believe so, but just keep an eye on my Twitter account. I'll let people know exactly when. That's taking place, the usual film review. I might try to write about Damian Williams and all that stuff. But anyway, the big takeaway, and you know, I'm sure I'll have to answer this a few times tomorrow too, but they're still in great shape. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, absolutely great shape. And so I do think we've been, dare I say, a little bit spoiled this season. Mm-hmm. Everything's gone so well mm-hmm. that it's been interesting to me, and I get it, we're a scarred fan base. I understand. Yes. But it is interesting to me watching, I got to say, watching Chiefs Twitter as their 11-2 and team manages to lose a miraculous game mm-hmm. to a Super Bowl contender. Mm-hmm. You would swear that they were talking about the two and fourteen two thousand twelve. Right, team. and so listen. Not that I really want to be the person sort of writing a blank check for Chiefs Twitter because I don't want to be that person. But <laughs> I'm gonna be a little bit because you you lose that game against the Chargers and it sets you up perfectly for the meltdown of the decade as a, as a fan of this team where you're the one seed yes. for for 13 weeks of football and then you poop on the field twice like that <laughs> and then it's over and it's gone it then all of a sudden yep. you are a wild card team not that that's a death sentence and we can save that if if that ever actually ends up happening but I understand going, oh, wow, okay, so we, the Chiefs to lose this needed to lose these two games. We are now halfway there. I understand the nerves. <laughs> well, they need, they need, San Diego needs to win out. That'll they, be hard to set out a football they've got, team. They've got a, tougher, they've got a tougher schedule. I understand that the Chargers get to play at home, but let's face it, that's not a real home field advantage. Right. Um, and they, they, they get to play the Ravens, who I think are a tough matchup for the Chargers. I, I, would agree I, with that. I think, I think, I think similarly to Kansas City, I think that's a tough matchup because they got a great defense. They are not going to make the same mistakes in bone coverages that the Chiefs made, and they run the ball really well. And San Diego's got a great pass rush. Their run defense isn't all that. And right. so I, I, I have a feeling, in my opinion, what I think is going to happen. I think the Chargers are going to lose on Saturday. Ooh, interesting. And suddenly it's like. And suddenly it's like, oh, if the Chiefs win one of their final two games, they're the one seed. Right. Well, now, listen, of course, that still sets them up for a heartbreak. It does. <laughs> it, yes, it does. Uh, also, I, I think you're right. I think, again, that San Diego YMCA team is going to have a really hard time beating either of those two professional teams. Hey, at the-, the Chargers are in Los Angeles. Well, here's the thing. So I was talking to my buddy Stephen A. Smith, <laughs> and we were chatting about Hunter Henry and Derek Johnson and, and how they would do. Golly, San Diego, I'm going to be doing that for the rest of my life. I, we're going to be doing almost entirely sports as holograms, you know, floating in midair like the Emperor in, in The Empire Strikes Back. Yes. And I'm still going to be calling them San Diego from the, the spaceship that we're broadcasting from. You have so much faith in the future of this medium, man. <laughs> <You're> just, <laughs> yeah, we're going to be doing – radio is going to be doing well enough that we're doing it from space and not like with, with Wall-E on the end of the, the planet that has decomposed into an unrecognizable blob and radio is the only form of entertainment that's left. Twenty fifty-seven. <laughs> Seth has just bought Joshua his thousandth meal of barbecue and a spaceship, a apparently. <laughs> yeah, and a spaceship, apparently. And so, but anyway, so that's all the good news. Because yes. had anyone said, "Hey, eleven and three, you lose three games by a combined seven points. It's all the Super Bowl contenders, yep. and you competed and looked like just as good a team in every one of them." Will you take that? Everyone's like, "Absolutely." Yeah, of course. I, I get it. We're scarred. So that's the good news. They're still in the driver's seat. Now we'll see how they do in Seattle, but I'm still confident in this team. I'm still confident in this offense. I'm really confident in Eric Berry. Yeah. But then there's that other topic that I think people might be expecting us to talk about. So, Mr. Mr. Sutton. There, there is that topic, and I um, – oh, man – Okay, I'm going to do some weighing of options while you talk about Bob Sutton. Because I need to, I, okay. there's a there's an Eric Berry based thing that I'm curious. Well, let's just let's get it out of the way. Let's knock it out of the way. 
So I know because of the magic of podcasts, I feel like even shows that are on at the same time can coexist in a happy little medium. And you're on with Kevin Keatsman over on 810 at 5 o'clock on Thursdays, right? Yep, every Thursday. So you can grab the podcast of that because you're you're listening to this show live, of course, right? Uh, But you can can listen to Seth over there. And uh, Kevin on Friday uh, was talking about his assessment of Eric Berry not – not being a positive one. So I'm curious, I might I might grab that podcast on Thursday if Eric Berry comes up, or at least I wanted to check with you first now what you thought of how Berry played while he was out there in that first half. Um, I think you have the vast majority was good, and then there were a couple moments where he looked like a guy just coming back. He had, a, he had two plays where I thought he got over late on mm-hmm. deep balls. Mm-hmm. Other than that, he looked like himself. He looked explosive. He looked incredibly energetic. He was the only player out there trying to mix up coverages. Um, on multiple occasions, he was lining guys up where they're supposed to go. Yes. Multiple occasions. Yes. Um, he made, I think, I mean, he had, he had probably three plays that I would have counted where had it not been for him, they would have been for at least decent games. One of them would have been a touchdown for sure. I think Sandy, I, Sandy, I think the You caught it that time, though. Of, you caught yourself. That's a win. Yay! Um, but I definitely think he looked like, at the very least, he looked like one of the better players on the defense. And considering that's his first action in two years, that's remarkable. Uh, he looked better than I expected. Very good. Okay, that's all. I, just, I was just curious. I'll listen to the podcast on Thursday. Uh, see if it if that uh, comes up. Well, let's talk about Bob Sutton, something that's even uh, less worrisome to people and polarizing and scary. <laughs> Uh, you wrote about this on The Athletic. You can always read Seth's work at theathletic.com. And it's true. I, was, I wasn't surprised by your end result on, uh, on Bob Sutton and where you ended up and your logic and all that. All of that checked out. But I found that interesting that you're at this place because I think your general mindset is first patience and then proper evaluation I think we've seen the patience needed with Bob Sutton. Can you walk us through your, your logic and end and, and result on that evaluation? Well, here's, here's what that article is and what it is not. And I would, you know, it, it's made the rounds. If anyone hasn't read it, I'd take a look. Look, there's free trials at The Athletic. If you're not reading the work that Nate and I are doing covering the Chiefs or the work Russell does covering the Royals or the work that our national team is doing, I'd, hey, fair enough. You're missing out. So that's your call. Yes. It's your life, man. But anyway, <laughs> here's what this article is not. It's not a knee-jerk reaction to one game. Correct. Because I've got way too many people, oh, we should have fired Sutton right after the 38-10 to 10 debacle against the Colts. Well, maybe. But, you know, firing the defensive coordinator on the basis of one game mm-hmm. is not smart. Yep. Never will be. Sure. This, it wasn't uh, my intention, and this is one of the things I love working for the Athletic. The night of the game, I, 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 I pitched to my editor, um, writing two different articles. I was like, you know, I want to write about Bob Sutton. It's time. And I also want to write about the pass protection issues. Because that's two weeks in a row. Mahomes has been hit a lot. Mm-hmm. And he, he's like, you know, as far as the Sutton piece goes, I want, you to, I want you to take the weekend. And I was like, well, you know, everyone's going to be writing about it. He's like, yeah, but we don't care about beating people. We care about quality. Right. And he said, so here's the deal. You're a fan. And you're upset. Everyone's going to be writing these reaction hit pieces on Bob Sutton. I want you to sit down, take a deep breath, lay out what, what's the evidence say. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. So this is not some kind of like, oh, my God, this is the last straw kind of thing. This was, what does Thursday night's game show us that's been evident throughout Sutton's tenure? Yep. And what is the result of Sutton's tenure? And so what I did is I just examined what have the results been. You know, on a, on a yards-per-drive basis, on a points-per-drive basis. And then what you find, if you look at, uh, at uh, defensive efficiency as football outsiders tracks, mm-hmm. it's easily the best team stat out there. Mm-hmm. What you find is that Sutton's defenses have been overall pretty mediocre. Yep. If you average them out. He's had two good years out of six. Yep. And that's not acceptable. And so when you really look at the numbers, the only years that he had where the defense was above average was uh, 2013 and 2015. Beyond that, it's been average or a, or a basement dweller in terms of defensive efficiency mm-hmm. and in terms of yards per drive allowed. And up until, here's the interesting thing, up until three years ago, in points per drive, they were top ten. 
for his first three years, they were like sixth or fifth mm-hmm. in that area in points per drive. Then three years ago, it dropped just a little bit to eighth, which is a little concerning, but not really. It's still good. Yeah, fine. Then last year, last year it drops again to 21st. And then you're like, well, is this an aberration? Mm-hmm. Now this year we're sitting at 28th. Mm-hmm. And how the question for me becomes, even if you just look at that and nothing else, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of other stuff in the piece, Yes, the production, the results of the defense for the last three years has been mediocre. Mm-hmm. How long do you let that sit? Because you can talk about personnel issues all you want, but there's a lot of different personnel that has come and gone in that time. Yep. And the results this year, you've got... I, I added it up. When you talk about your Hitchens of the world, the Kendall Fallers, the Yes, Kendrick, I just pulled it up. Um, yeah. People, people that, went, that they got, you're talking 4,000 new snaps on defense this year, yes. and the defense looks worse Yes, with the same problems. Yep. That's an issue. Yes. Uh, that number jumped out to me, and I, first of all, I, whenever I read it, uh, my first thought was just like, like, oh, damn, Seth, like... Seth, Seth went like he's adding up snap counts. Hell yeah, I, I was I was like proud first of that of that number, and then I was horrified because also there, there yeah. are guys on that list that, that haven't been getting that many snaps, which is kind of like Breland Speaks is, is technically contributing to that four thousand and sixty eight, but he's also not. Regardless, um, yeah, th- that's the that's the first question that that is always brought up by someone who says, hey, so if it's you know if it's either a gotcha question or a genuine question, it's well, what about the personnel? And so I want to focus in on that because because yes, it's it's a totally fair question. And so whenever you look at the largest sample size, as you've done, you see the turnover that comes and goes. You even see maybe you could come up with an argument that the four thousand and sixty-eight snaps that have been for these new guys, you know, it takes them a little bit of time to get used to the system and all of that. But the thing that we've been talking about this since Anthony Hitchens like wasn't good for the first four weeks or whatever. There are guys yep. that seem to come to Kansas City and then get worse. And that's that's really alarming to me because you you can point out here's the analogy I gave earlier. Tell me if you if you find this analogy worthwhile at all or not. Whenever you have a classroom that for at least these last 2 years your whole class is failing, eventually you have to wonder about the teacher. And we, we talked about the specifics of this with Nate Taylor, formerly mentioned, mentioned uh, currently uh, on The Athletic with Seth. Come on, guys. What are you doing? He was in here on Friday, <laughs> and I talked to him about the, that video of Eric Berry moving dudes around in the secondary, screaming at, right. at veteran Orlando Skandrick. And I asked him, does that look worse for Bob Sutton or for the players? And he says he thinks it looks worse for Bob Sutton because you've had these guys in your building for the whole offseason and then now 14 14 games, 15 weeks, and guys are still out of place. All of those schematic things, the the classroom thing and the moving guys around and the guys getting worse in Kansas City, all of that just seems to add up as more and more reasons that I'm really concerned about Bob Sutton's ability to coach a defense. Well, here's the thing. You talk about the personnel thing. That's what I've used to defend Bob Sutton for the last two years. Yep. As the defense has been mediocre the one year, then it was bad last year, yep. and I defended him. I talked about, man, look at these execution issues, and that's realistic. Here's the problem, though. If you cycle through a dozen players and they all have oddly similar execution issues, yes. at a certain point you have to look at the common denominator. Here's the deal. Anthony Hitchens was not a Pro Bowl-level talent in Dallas. I personally think the Chiefs overpaid him. Mm -hmm. However, he was a markedly better player in Dallas than he has been in Kansas City. Markedly better. Not nearly the weakness he's been in coverage, because he wasn't asked to do the things he's been asked to do. And he looked a lot better against the run. He's a decisive, block-shedding thumper of a linebacker who has some some sideline-to-sideline speed, and he looked really good Mm -hmm. a lot of the time in Dallas. A lot of Dallas fans were like, yeah, he might have overpaid him a little bit, but he's a warrior against the run. He'll make a huge difference. And he looks incompetent against the run in Kansas City. So then you have to sit down and ask yourself, well, let's have a theory. Maybe the theory is Bob Sutton's defense is bad for inside linebackers. So then, okay, well, what does the evidence say? There's exactly one linebacker, inside linebacker, that's been good in Bob Sutton's defense mm-hmm. over the course of the last six years. Mm-hmm. One. Yep. And that's Derek Johnson, yep. who's a stud. And then you notice, as soon as Derek Johnson lost his freakish speed, mm-hmm. he sucked in Sutton's system, too. Yep. 
That, that tells me something. And so, you know, you want to talk about personnel. Let's talk about, you know, Kendall Fuller. He's having a good year in Kansas City. He's doing well. He's a good corner. But last year, he was a fantastic corner. Yep. That's strange. Yes. If you look at uh, Xavier Williams, a uh, free agent signing that I really liked. Yep. He's been not very good in Kansas City. Yep. He was a real solid guy in Arizona against the run. Yep. And so then you start really asking yourself, what players have we seen come to Kansas City and be better mm-hmm. than they were at their previous stops? Because you look at guys that have played well in Kansas City, like Tyvon Branch. Branch was good before and after. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kurt Coleman, he was good in Carolina afterward. Um, Hussein Abdullah, he played well in Minnesota before he got injured. Yep. Um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and also, really look, all of those safeties, one other thing to that note, none of them have looked good without Eric Berry next to them. And that that's quite true. Now, the year that Barry, um, the the year that Barry was out with his cancer, mm-hmm. some of some of the safeties managed to play well. Like Hussein Abdullah played well. That's fair. Parker right. at his peak played well, but it just it was an entirely different dig. Yeah. So, the, the, so you you start to look. Well, is it personnel? And then I guess what I'd put to you is, well, how much personnel have they cycled through in six yeah. years? Yep. And then let me ask you: Is the personnel really that bad? So you've got, at every level of the defense, you're telling me that most teams wouldn't kill for a pass-rushing trio of Chris Jones, Justin Houston, and D Ford? You might get most of them would. You might get two or three teams in the league that would not swap out their top three for those three, and that number might be too high. It, like, it's yeah. incredible. It's an incredible trio of pass rushers. It, it's, it's exceptional. And so people want to talk about how bad the corners are. Watch, watch what the corners do on film. Mm-hmm. They're scrappy. They're yep. fighters. They, now, they're, they're, they're not great. I think Fuller has the potential to be great. I don't think Nelson or Standard have fast enough feet to be great. Mm-hmm. But they're, they are in there, and they give it a fairly good go. They're, they're relatively competent. But you still see blown coverage after blown coverage in certain situations. And the, 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 these, these zone situations, you see blown coverage after blown coverage by the safeties. Guys who've been in the system for years. Mm-hmm. Eric Murray and Ron Parker and Dan Sorensen all at times have these snaps. Where it's like they have no idea where they're supposed to be. And, and at a certain point, because last year, my big thing, I was like, yeah, yeah, fine. Overhaul the personnel. Well, honestly, that's what they did. Yep. The whole they draft was defense. And the results are worse. Yes. Yes, correct. And then, and then on a final note, well, they didn't overhaul the safeties. Fair enough. Maybe they should have. But here's the fi- uh, thing, you know, if you want to talk about overhauling and picking certain players, they have Jordan Lucas come in, play relatively well. Not great. I think he was a little overhyped or yes. maybe a lot overhyped. But he was competent, yep. and he at least made plays. He flew around the field, made plays. Um, nope, benched as yep. soon as Sorensen's back. Yep. And you can't tell me that the defense has been better off for it. That's a sudden decision. Yes. Um, it was a sudden decision to barely play Chris Jones until injuries on the defensive line forced it his rookie year. Yep. It was a sudden decision to still, you know, on the, on the second to last final drive for the, the, the Chargers, when they've got them in just straight man with the cover two shell. That, that part, it, time, just... Choice, Really quick, again, if you haven't read the story yet, that was the that was the point in the article about Sutton where that hadn't really crossed my mind, and I was reading that, and I got to that point, and I just wanted to bash my head into the desk. Sorry, go on. <laughs> no, that's fine. So on the final two drives of the Chargers, there were a few times where Sutton just played a straight man look with two safeties over the top, which isn't completely unusual, don't get me wrong. However, I would argue it's also a tendency breaker. The Chiefs don't play a ton of that kind of coverage. Mm -hmm. So great, tendency breakers are good. Good for Sutton for that. But I would argue that playing the most simple coverage in football against a Hall of Fame quarterback with the game on the line and then assigning Anthony Hitchens the running back out of the backfield with man coverage and your safety's playing 25 yards off the line of scrimmage, you deserve the 20-plus yard gain that happens there. Yep. Why on earth is Anthony Hitchens on the field if that's what you're playing is straight man? Yep. When you've got a Dorian O'Daniel who you refuse to play more than half the snaps, despite the fact that the inside linebackers don't look good against the run. Well, we might be bad against the run if we play O'Daniel. So? Mm-hmm. You're already bad against the run, so you might as well get more sideline-to-sideline speed out there. Because if Dorian O'Daniel's out there on that particular snap, you, you erase a 20-plus yard gain. Now, maybe Rivers finds someone else, but it's not this super easy mismatch like it was. Yep. And then you, ha- you had a few other plays, like that 4th-and-7 or 4th-and-8 conversion. Mm-hmm. 
Kendall Fuller played pretty good coverage. Mm-hmm. The safeties are 20 yards off the line of mm-hmm. scrimmage on fourth and seven. Yep. And look, oh, we, we, they want help over the top. It's fourth and seven. Yes, correct. I would argue that if they convert that fourth and seven, you're better off just letting them score. Yeah, yes, that's because totally fair. And so I think you flood those shallow zones, force him to be over the top. Rivers does not have a good arm. Let it float. Don't let him just have a guy completely on an island. Fuller was all over all over Travis Benjamin. Mm-hmm. It was good coverage. Mm-hmm. But it just didn't matter because Rivers knew, oh, that's straight man. Safeties are way too far away. I just got to put the ball right here, yep. and it'll be fine. And it was. Yeah. And because the safeties were a mile and a half away, he ran for another 15, 20 yards. Yep. So these are the decisions, and again, it's easy for me to sit here on my couch and blah, 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 because I have done better. Probably not. But the reality of the situation is, with the game on the line against a Hall of Fame quarterback, he went with, the, with, with a high school style of defense that wasn't working. Now, was a lot of stuff working? Not really. But some of the blitzes they were using in the first half were working. Yes. You know, if you're going to give up big plays anyway, switch to a cover zero and just blitz the bejesus out of Rivers and see what happens. Yeah. Now, does Rivers shed blitz? Does he shred blitzes? Sure. Mm-hmm. But he was shredding you anyway, so mm-hmm. you might as well take a shot yes. and hope that he makes a stupid throw that you pick off. Because yes. Rivers does do that. Yep. So that game, you take a look at everything that happened there. And to me, that was, it's not just about that game. And that's the major point of the article. It's not just about those tactical errors that are, in my opinion, problems. They represent something. Mm-hmm. Hitchens in there instead of O'Daniel represents something. It mm-hmm. represents Sutton playing Ron Parker, despite Ron Parker playing poorly over a guy that looks like he's playing better because he quote-unquote knows the system. Never mind that they still can't get lined up correctly. Yep. It represents, a, and at times, lack of creativity. When Sutton does dial up blitzes, he's really good at it. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Chiefs are a good blitzing team. They just barely do it. And it, it, just, it just represents something. Even seeing Chris Jones be a stud and Derek Nottie look really good against the run, all I can think about is what other defensive lineman has really panned out under Bob Sutton's defense. Yep. It's a great question. All of those are totally fair. And to that personnel point, this is something, again, precursor. Your man, Nate Taylor, brought this up in studio on Friday. One player that was uh, really good here and has actually struggled since leaving Kansas City a little bit, uh, it was also often criticized for playing outside of Bob Sutton's scheme, perhaps doing things that Sutton wasn't asking to do, would be my man Marcus Peters, who uh, was doing very, very good things in Kansas City, while often apparently... Just just flipping off Bob Sutton and then doing whatever he wanted. And that was working right. better than what Bob Sutton's been calling. I listen, I don't I don't want to use that as a way to hop back into another like three weeks of Marcus Peters talk, but I found that to be a really pertinent, really interesting observation from Nate. I I think that is a very good observation from Nate. And it does demonstrate the issue. Yep. And again, I'm not saying they needed they should have kept Peters. You know, things had escalated to a point, fine, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Even if they'd gotten rid of Sutton, I think with where things had gone, they probably would still would have needed to trade Peters. Whatever, with the sure. direction things had gone, fine, 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 fair enough. But they're, 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 it all represents something. Yep. And it just seems to represent a systemic failure. And here's, here's another thing to think about. Reggie Ragland looks like a worse player against the run <laughs> than he was last year. Yeah. You know what's changed since last year? He's more familiar with the system. <laughs> Yep. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and again, yes. <laughs> that's, that's a, and all of these, none of this is dispositive. We don't know for a fact whether it's personnel, whether it's whatever. But here's what we do know, and this is where it all circles back. So you've got the anecdotal evidence. You've got the, the seemingly baffling personnel decisions. You've got the players not doing well here versus players doing well elsewhere. And so of all of it, it's like, well, maybe we should give the defensive coordinator benefit of doubt. So that for all of it, you circle back to what the defense has done while he's been in town. The Chiefs have never had an elite defense while he's been in town, not one year. They have had an absolute garbage defense twice. They've had a a below-average defense once, and they've had a defense that hovered right around average once. And then they had two good defenses. Mm -hmm. And on those good defenses, that was when Dontari Poe was at his peak. Tom Bahali was still at his peak. Justin Houston was at his peak. Eric Berry was playing. Tyvon Branch played well. Kurt Coleman played well. Marcus Peters was playing well. Sean Smith played at his absolute best. They had great personnel mm-hmm. on those good defenses. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I would, for me, you know, everyone says, well, every coordinator is dependent on his personnel. Sure, to an extent. But you should not need 
you know, people say, well, you know, he needs Eric Berry out there, the, the quarterback of the defense. If you need Eric Berry to have even an average defense, you are not a good defensive coordinator. I wish because I had a gavel so bad. I wish I had a gavel that I could knock <laughs> and say case closed or whatever. I don't know. What do they actually say whenever there's a, a gavel? You would know better than me. They, they, judges don't bang gavels very often in the real world. But I want to. Sorry, what, what would I a judge destroyed... say when banging a gavel? That'll be all. <laughs> That'll be all. <laughs> I do want to talk about your other piece on The Athletic briefly because I, uh, I actually, I usually have, you know, a general belief going into reading the things you write and then I'll, you know, reevaluate accordingly. But going into your article on the offensive line, I had been kind of rolling on the idea that based off like two clips I had seen uh, against the Chargers on, on rewatching that I had seen Andrew Wiley get uh, pancaked and then the entire offensive line started looking worse because Mitch Schwartz had to start playing inside a little more, which made him easier to beat on the outside. Then uh, yep. now there was something you brought up in this article that included um, uh your your love, uh, Mitch Mitch Morse. I wanted to call him Mitch Schwartz so bad. I was trying not to San Diego that. Um, Mitch Morse <laughs> was helping Jeff Allen to his left a little more often, and then he had to help Cam Irving, which I thought was brilliant. Um, so you you did this whole breakdown on the offensive line. You get the the good catch on Morse going left more often. You had pretty much also said that there was a, a major right guard issue with Andrew Wiley, which was making Mitch mm-hmm. Schwartz look worse. Is it fair yep. to summarize that piece and the the current? issue the offensive line for the Chiefs being that they're on their really third and fourth guards? Is that, I mean, and then the, the center and yeah. tackles are still playing well? Both of their, both of their starting guards are injured. Mm-hmm. Their initial backup guard it got injured. Yep. And so now they're sitting here with, with Wiley, who is supposed to be a backup tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, although Irving's kind of a swing guy too, and, and no, it's it's rough. And here, here's the thing: Mahomes is more um, immune to pressure than most quarterbacks. Yes, but there's no such thing as a quarterback that's completely immune to pressure. Yep. And and we saw that against the Chargers. It felt like at times that any time they dropped back, I mean, I, I did the charting. More, it was more than half the snaps. Mm-hmm. There was legitimate pressure being faced. And when I say legitimate pressure, I don't mean the kind of pressure that. If you throw, you might get hit a half se- like a second later. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a guy coming for you, right? And that's tough. That's tough to operate under. And Mahomes did pretty well with it. And but it just makes it changes your entire play calling plan because you just can't do some of the same things. You can't do five or seven step drops. So th- there's some concern there. That said, um, the Chargers and the Ravens back to back are a couple of really tough pass rushing teams. Absolutely. And so, you know, the problem is Seattle's got a pretty good defense in their own right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now I don't think they don't have anyone on the level of like a Bosa or anything like that. Right. But that'll be another tough test. It's just a matter of right now the offense still looks very good. It doesn't look quite as dominant. And so they, they do need to get healthy because the, the line is it's, it's concerning for sure. Um, and I don't know that LDT and Irving are coming back anytime soon. Yeah, LDT it continues to like not really be brought up. Irving was doubtful coming into the game, which is better than just being out coming into the game. So I guess that's okay. But all of that, all of that to the to the point of how it affects the offense, because I'm because you mentioned that Mahomes is is more able to function with pressure than almost any other quarterback in the sport. Maybe literally any other quarterback in the sport. It's, it's funny because you can have a totally abused couple of guards and still the offense looks like it's functioning pretty well. But especially with those, with those deep throws downfield, Mahomes isn't able to step up like ever. And even whenever he has to bail out of the pocket, he can throw on the run, obviously. We've seen him do that tremendously well many times. But even that, that makes it easy for him to, to get away from the pressure coming from the tackles. That interior pressure is hard because you bail out backwards and the, 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 he runs into his blockers or he runs into the guys right. the back blockers are trying to move out. So what's the, what's the fix if those, if those guards aren't coming back? Is it just continuing to operate a lot of short stuff like they did against the Chargers? 
Um, I, I think there, there's a few options. I think, you know, the short stuff, Andy Reid's always done. The screens, especially if they feature Damian Williams more, who looked really ready for an increased role. I yeah, like he did. He looked. he looked great. Um, Very, very fast. Um, I, I think you do more screens, more of that misdirection stuff, make them pay. The charges, to their credit, they were getting killed on screens, and they did not alter their game plan. They stuck with it, and I kind of wish Reid would have, just continue to punish them. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think the move there, they do need to maybe do a little bit more of having some kind of some kind of chipping done, a little more help than they're used to providing. The problem is, you know, it's tough because you're, it's the interior guys. It's easier to help the tackles. Right. And so I think you're you're honestly going to be looking at a few more quick throws, timing throws, that kind of stuff, or designed rollouts one way or the other. Um, either that or they just need to tighten up a little bit. Again, that was a couple of tough teams in a row in terms of interior pass rushers. And so we'll, we'll see how they do against Seattle. Um, but, yeah, I think all you can really do is just design your game plan, and you, you need to count on them sometimes to pass protect, though. So you can never completely immunize it, your quarterback from mm-hmm. it. Is So I guess what I'm saying is, eh, I don't know. <laughs> But, I mean, Mahomes literally, again, like this feels like hyperbole, but he might be the only quarterback in the sport that can have designed rollouts that also have designed passes like 50 yards downfield. Because he can do that. And it's magic. It's wizardry. It's witchcraft. But it works still, and it's incredible. So I guess it's... I'm just, I guess I'm not that worried about it, honestly. And maybe that's dangerous. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being spoiled, but I'm not that worried about it. I, I don't think it hurts the Chiefs as, Chiefs as much as it hurts other teams, no. Yeah. And I think, I think they'll get a handle on it. I do think, you know, I, I'm going to be keeping a close eye on Watkins. I, from everything I'm hearing so far, you know, it's only Tuesday, mm-hmm. I don't know that he'll be playing again this week. Right. Um, that's, that's frustrating because, you know, injuries were one of the knocks on him, and I've always been a, oh, injuries are a random guy, but, man, i got to tell you, that's tough. Especially that, that's foot tough stuff because, repeatedly. That's dangerous. <laughs> he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's one of those guys who he, he helps the offense quite a bit because mm-hmm. he's able to beat man coverage and kind of just create more options. Um, I do – one thing to watch out for looking forward, um, you know, Kelvin Benjamin has not been a big part of the game plan at all. Mm-hmm. But he certainly looked, you know, big. He did. And not like in an insulting way. No, he was where he needed to like, be. Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a big, tall dude. And so – you know, they threw a couple back shoulders his way that looked tough to stop with mm-hmm. Mahomes' gun and timing and his size. So that I'd, I'd look to see if they're going to try to incorporate him a little more. No one on earth should be more motivated than Kelvin Benjamin right now to have a strong finish to the season. No kidding. Because he's got a lot riding on it. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. That one little back shoulder throw downfield on the right sideline that they had against the Chargers, like, oh, yeah, that's... Kelvin, it looks like it looks like Cam Irving came back and then was an eligible receiver and then just trotted down the field, turned around, and then like was just using his body to make the space. It seems like that's repeatable. <laughs> I felt good about that. Okay, Beards. Yeah, yeah. Beards just remind just just hopped in my ear a second ago and went, "This has been a long segment," and he's right. It has been. I was just having time flies when you're having fun firing Bob Sutton, and that's it what does. we've been doing. <laughs> As the old expression goes. Yes, I think that's that's back from the olden days, uh, which actually yeah. might be true because I think Bob Sutton was born in the year 1400, so it, it's plausible, actually. All right, Seth, we'll let you go. I'll tell everybody about how great The Athletic is, as if they haven't heard it here the last several days and then every week talking to you. If someone hasn't converted at this point, I think they might be doomed. Uh, but we'll talk about your other <laughs> job later, am I right? Hello, it's a pastor joke. All right, you, nice. can, you can go now, Seth. <laughs> yeah. Seth Kaiser of The Athletic You can follow him on Twitter At RealMNChiefsFan You can read The Athletic TheAthletic.com He and Nate Taylor Have both been excellent On this show Seth's excellent to us Every week he Just did 40 minutes of he, he just hosted this show For 40 minutes over the phone Have you ever been on A 40 minute phone call? That depletes your phone battery in a way that, like, Seth may have been fully charged at 5 o'clock, and right now he's probably trying to find a charger because he's been on the show for so long. Also trying to find a charger, Bob Sutton's defense, because it was lost on Thursday. 
A little setup and a little joke there. What do you guys think, huh? Good joke? One out of ten, Beards. One, one out of ten. Rank the joke. I'll give it an eight. You didn't even chuckle at it. It was good. I laughed inside. If you laugh inside, it can't be an eight out of ten joke. It was a good joke. Why didn't you laugh? Ha ha ha! Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Almost Entirely Sports. I just saw a tweet about swimming pigs and now... Wow, yeah. Swimming pigs frolic in paradise at this Bahamas beach. I feel like they wouldn't be as good at bacon if they weren't, like, fat. Well, they're not. They don't really have beach bodies. They're still pigs. <laughs> were you imagining a sexy pig because they were on the beach of the Bahamas? I am now. And also, what does a sexy pig look like? Don't answer that with any human being. You Miss don't Piggy. say. That's pretty sick because she is literally a pig. Yeah. With Joshua Briscoe. Love the record show. Before we move on to the next topic, the Beards McFly did just call Miss Piggy sexy. On ESPN Kansas City. <laughs> uh. How does a pig swimsuit work? Because you got like udders, right? So one piece. I mean it. But what if what if what if the pig wants to wants to rock a little two piece? How many like cups does it need to have? <laughs> <laughs> like six, right? Hold on. All right. All right. You made me do it, Beards. You made me do it. How <laughs> many nipples do pigs have? No. Oh! What was it? On what average, was a sow usually delivers 13 to 14 babies at a time. So if that sow only has 12 working nipples, one or two of those baby pigs are out of luck. 12 is a much higher number than I was thinking. Is there, hold on, is there an answer? An expert? The number of nipples a pig has varies, but on average, a pig has around 12 to 14 nipples. Things I learned while listening to Almost Entirely Sports today. Imagine if you had 12 to 14 nipples. I just wanted to cut an intro for you. I figured that that, we need some updated promos. Pig nipple facts <laughs> has to make the new promo circuit. Uh. Wow. The actual range of possible number of nipples on a pig is 6 to 32. What are you going to do with 32 nipples? So do they basically just need custom bathing suits, all of them? That's a great question. I don't know. I think one piece is probably the answer. Yeah, it's got to be one piece. Imagine having 16 different places on your body that needed to be covered. Or just hashtag free that nipple. I mean, it's fine. We're progressive. Around here, listen, if a pig wants to have all 32 of its nipples out, we're not going to stop it. Can we end the show? (laughs) I don't think, you know what? I don't think I can dig out of this one. I think we are stuck here. <laughs> uh, Jim said he was keeping his comment to himself. It's fine. I mean, can you imagine if they if they redid the Muppets and it was Miss Piggy with just that is R rated. That suddenly suddenly it's Avenue Q. Uh, Eddie says, "What aren't you going to do with thirty two nipples?" <laughs> 
<laughs> Go to the beach, probably. Uh, also, as I asked about uh, how that joke was last segment, um, Sam says it bombed. My dad gave it a five. Raylene gave it a six. Eddie gave it a four and said it was still too soon to be joking about Bob Sutton and the Chargers. It was a good joke. Jake over in the 810 page said that was a good joke. Thank you, Jake. So, <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Hour two. Seth Kaiser. Yeah. Pig, pig nipples. nipples. Yeah. Have fun writing the uh, podcast description for this one. You want to just go to break? We kind of need to anyway. We do. I wanted to get to like. Something else. We've been back from this break for like four seconds. I'm also going to sneeze. <coughs> That's the other thing this segment had. This segment had pig nipples and Josh sneezing. Unrelated, but both factually correct. Jim just said 32 nipples bring AES to a halt. Details at six. Gotta tell you, man, if that's. If that news story pops up on TV, are you changing the channel? I'm not changing the channel. You probably can't change the channel because that's the only channel I got. My TV's broken. That's fair. It's like how your radio's stuck on this station. You can't change it. <laughs> you don't need to change it, though, as long as you're a fan of this show and also country music. 94.5 is the only thing you need. You just have, you have to drive around to change the stations. Or just drive down the same highway and you sometimes you're going to... A little bit of blah, 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 pig nipples. And then, how to Bud Light on the back of my truck. Wow, 32 pig nipples. My car broke down. She left me yesterday. Pig nipples. I'm all alone. Bob Sutton's terrible. Bob Sutton's terrible. It makes me sad. Whoa, the singularity. What other com- what common ground do you think we could get between this show and your normal pop country music. Like levels of inebriation? I guess also cars that don't function property, properly. I don't know why I said property. Can we, Beards, can you schedule someone for tomorrow? Can you schedule a pig expert for tomorrow so we can ask them how a pig would wear? Are there such things as pig experts? Oh, you know what I'm, you know what I'm terrified of? You know what fills me with absolute terror? Um, other than Bob Sutton? Uh, what? Getting a tweet that just says like, this tweet contains an image from Steve later on the off chance that he figures out a way to Photoshop a bathing suit on a pig. Or anybody. I mean, there are other people that have sent Photoshop things. Steve. Listen, Steve, we're Steve. not bleeping around. Steve. Don't do that. Yes, do it. Wait a second. I forgot. We started this segment by realizing that Beards did, in fact, say that Miss Piggy is sexy. So, listen. Just send it straight to... DM it to Beards and then don't ever let me know of its existence. You are listening to Almost Entirely Sports. But first, a tweet from girlfriend Renee. But she tweeted, and she said, thanks to the country station spliced with uh, with ESPN Kansas City. I just heard my radio say, 94.5 FM makes her clothes fall off. And then she tweeted at me and Beards and said, fix this. And I will not. With Joshua Briscoe. The phrase, e- ESPN Kansas City, 94.5 FM makes her clothes fall off. That not only is going to be a liner in 35 seconds, um, that's the new station tagline. Forever on ESPN Kansas City. There you go. I knew that there was gold to be had there. I also had some other nonsensical thing I wanted to talk about and I lost it. It wasn't even the thing that I was telling you during the break beards, which is still worth noting. I think ESPN tweeted out that you can create your own bowl game by using the last place you shopped at plus the last thing you ate plus the word bowl. The one that made me laugh the most I can't read on air, but it was very funny. Um, and so that is, that's why I was laughing during the break if you were watching on Facebook and wondering why I was cracking up. There's also an interesting thing that, oh, I, 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 I remembered it. It wasn't nonsense. There's no show tomorrow. 
Uh, tomorrow we're bumped by Kate Women's Basketball. Yes. Uh, so no show tomorrow. We'll be back on Thursday. So oh, I did tell you, Beards, to book a pig expert for tomorrow. Can you see if they can reschedule for Thursday? I'll work on it. Good job getting that done so fast, by the I way. Know. They were ready to Actually, go for Actually, they tomorrow. called me. <laughs> um, Andrew tweeted in earlier a, uh, a tweet from NFL Matchup on Twitter. And it was talking about quarterbacks getting pressured. I thought it was really interesting because uh, Patrick Mahomes has been pressured on 36.2% of his snaps. Uh, Drew Brees has been the least pressured quarterback in football at 19.4%. Ben Roethlisberger next up. And it, this only also counts, by the way, uh, for plays three seconds or less. Worth noting that like Drew Brees is going to get the ball. He gets the ball away so quickly that pressure might not get to him before the ball leaves his hand. And Mahomes and also the guys ahead of him, Deshaun Watson and Josh Allen, have a slower release. But it's I think it's especially interesting as you look at the comp of Breeze to Mahomes. Apparently, Phil Rivers somewhere in the middle between the two. And even Andrew Luck, who occasionally comes up in that MVP conversation. Again, part of it is credit to the quarterback for getting the ball out of their hand quickly. But... You're looking at, at Patrick Mahomes being an MVP, the MVP this year, while getting pressured, the third most in football. I think it's interesting, worth noting. Again, there's no show tomorrow. Also, again, thank you to Seth Kaiser for being on with us every Tuesday. Go go follow him and go read The Athletic uh, as a way of saying thanks for tolerating this show for such large chunks of time. Go think about how a pig would wear a swimsuit tomorrow from 4 to 6, and then we'll be back on Thursday. I'll talk to you then. Bye, Mom! You're listening to Almost Entirely Sports. With Joshua Briscoe on ESPN Kansas City. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. To, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.